Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, and welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. Today, we are going to begin an ongoing conversation about how to start diversifying your bookshelf. I am, as always, joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelly and Corey. Hello. Hello. So we need to be be upfront that we have been working on this podcast as a whole for quite some time one of those projects that we've sort of been talking about doing and starting up but um, since we actually have begun recording there have been the uprisings and a very long overdue social awakening that has occurred with the Black Lives Matter movement and this conversation has come to the forefront and we really we hope to do it justice but that is difficult to do in just 30 minutes or so. So this is just the start of a much longer conversation that we will be continuing over many episodes. And Kelly and Corey, really the focus of a lot of their account is choosing books that celebrate um, diverse people in books and being inclusive. So we want to make a few disclaimers before we get started. Um, Starting with the fact that we absolutely are not anti-racist educators. We are all picture book reviewers. Two of us are parents, two of us are teachers. Um, We're looking at the best practice from those viewpoints in selecting books thoughtfully and how we personally approach starting conversations with kids either in our homes or in a classroom but it is by no means the best or only way. You should be seeking out a variety of different voices um, when you're looking at reviews for books. You should be listening to Black reviewers and Latinx reviewers and a wide variety of backgrounds when when you're looking at these books. Our opinion is not the be-all and end-all. Exactly. And one other thing to note is when we're using language like diverse, it means that it includes books that have Black, Indigenous, people of color, BIPOC, but it does not exclusively mean BIPOC-led books. A diverse bookshelf includes a little bit of everything and isn't just centered around animal books or specifically excluding books with white characters. So all of that said, let's dive in and chat about diversifying your bookshelf. So I wanted to start by talking about a challenge that I put out on on my Instagram account, Inclusive Storytime, a few weeks ago. And I asked parents to look at their bookshelf and uh, parents and educators to look at their bookshelf and take a more critical eye. Who is represented in those books? Is it all animals? Is it all white children? What's the breakdown of that? And, you know, it, it went a little viral. Um, and, you know, even today I've had multiple people who have taken the challenge that I, I and I've been able to see the breakdown of their shelves. And it was a very telling um, exercise for a lot of people that they realized that their personal values did not reflect what they were showing their children on the bookshelf. And, 
interestingly, the numbers uh, in most cases were very reflective of the publishing industry as a whole. So way more animal characters than human characters um, and way more in those human characters, um, white, cis, heteronormative children than there were LGBTQ or BIPOC characters. Um, so it's, it's been very interesting to watch people awaken to this reality on their bookshelf as a whole. And there is a whole other aspect to that of then going the extra step and determining who the authors are, because having a diverse bookshelf is the first step. It also depends on who creates the books and if they're perpetuating harmful stereotypes or problematic images. We're also personally in kind of a unique position because we request specific books to be sent for review. And this allows us to curate our shelves in a way that people relying on books as gifts or used book sales to populate their shelves do not. So we also want to reinforce that this evaluation can be done in terms of what you take out from the library, because that is a huge part of, of what you're reading at home. And you don't need to buy every single book in order to celebrate diverse books. Yeah, and I do want to interject that there is a really good challenge way back on the Conscious Kids uh, Instagram account that talks about making sure that the books that you take out of the library, that a certain percentage of them have characters that don't reflect your child in them. And, you know, that was, reading that challenge the first time was, was my pivotal moment of understanding that our bookshelf did not exactly reflect all of our values. So, you know, I, I want to give credit where credit is due on that, but the library is an important resource. You don't have to buy every single book. Now, I love going to the library and checking out, you know, all the new books that are coming out. And I also definitely want to recognize that it can be really overwhelming when you're not quite sure what to look for in a book and if there's quality illustrations. And so in the show notes linked below, there's a super helpful PDF uh, that I've used that's from Teaching for Change. And I've used it in, a, in some presentations that I've given um, for professional development training to other educators. And I think it's really accessible for folks that are just beginning this endeavor. And it's just 10 quick tips for how to have a critical eye on a picture book that you might be reading for the first time when you're considering either checking it out from the library or bringing it into the classroom. That sounds Awesome. I'm going to have to read that myself. Um, your, your challenge was a really big reflective process for me because I, I really started to think about not just the books that I collect because, I mean, let's be honest, our personal shelves are not average. We collect books as a hobby and we receive a lot of free books for review and so on. So when I was when I was actually looking at at the books at all laid out on the floor, it got me to thinking about which of these books actually make it into the daily routine with my kids, or which ones I've actually read at, in a school to kids. Which which are the books that we're rereading that are are fun and also inclusive. 
Yeah. So, you know, a good portion of the books um, that are being published today that feature BIPOC or L LGBTQ plus or disabled characters are incredibly serious in nature. They're, they're nonfiction pieces that are for conversation and education. They're meant to be handled with care. And, you know, there was an Instagram live with Britt Hawthorne and she, she made exactly that point. And, and she's like, those are not the books that you leave on the bookshelf to be read freely. They're meant to be handled with care and to have intentional conversations. Books with really heavy topics like enslavement, for example, they can be really traumatic for a black child to read. So, you know, you really have to handle that with an intention and care. So it's really, really important that you have a variety of subjects that also have diversity, not just those really heavy, heavy, heavy topics. They, they are incredibly important to have and discuss and learn from, like, don't get me wrong, but they are not the books that my kids are choosing to reread again. They're not the books that I have out for them to flip through and to play with. They're, they're books that, you know, they, you handle with care, as you said. And I, I think that realizing that the books that are in our daily rotation are not the most inclusive, and they're not showing the most um, diverse characters and experiences is really problematic. And I think that we need to really consider when we are purchasing books for everyday reading that we are we are also choosing those that have a diversity of characters in them and that are also fun and you know ideally own voices titles which again means that they are written by the people that they represent on the pages because we want the books that we end up reading on a loop to be inclusive too and Kelly made this point again before, but, you know, if you are, say, a Black child or me being queer, if I was a child, I don't want all the books that my teacher read, you know, to be so serious, like enslavement or bullying, for example. You know, we want to see all sorts of different characters and that reflect the beautiful array of humanity in the world, um, you know, having fun and reflected in those fun books. Yeah, not not every book has to be about Stonewall um, when you're queer. <laughs> you know, you want to see that uh, that joyfulness, and that that's something that I'm I'm so glad to see that. Uh, has come to the forefront um, through everything that's happening right now is that, you know, black joy is such an important um, topic that we have to get out there. We need to have those own voices titles that, that ex uh, express joy and, and reflect joy back at the people that they represent. All children need those mirrors in the media um, that they consume to build self-esteem and build self-love. That's vital for their mental health and well-being as they grow. Snaps. Snaps to that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have to say that one more sort of added element to this is that the books that I really want to see are books that are just fun stories um, yeah. because you get the extra serious sort of heavy books and then you also get this whole genre of books that 
the entire book isn't really a story per se. It's more about um, everybody is different and we love everybody and that's the whole story. And that is lovely. It's a wonderful sentiment. It's very important. But also I just want a book that is like an exciting story that something's you know, going to happen that it has a plot line. For example, um, we got this, this new one, Kids Can Press, going up. It's a 2020 release. So it's a favorite at our house right now. And it's about a birthday party in an apartment building. And everyone is going and they're, they're bringing something to the party. And it's, it's got a wonderful, diverse array of characters and families and, and the food they're bringing. And, and, and you know, they, they're going up on the elevator and, and there's just too many people in the elevator. And, and my daughter's like, what? There's too many people. And she gets like a little stressed out. There's excitement there. And there's, you know, birthday cakes. And it has everything that a kid really wants to read about. Again and again, there's a story, there's a plot line, and, and the characters are diverse. And it's about kids living in an apartment building. And it, it's not one or the other. There's an and. That's really important for me, and I don't feel like there's enough of that out there. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a book that, um, you know, I think all of us have been talking about being one of our favorites of 2020 so far because it's it's an ensemble cast. There's diversity of human beings. There's a diversity of family structure. There is repre- representation of living in an apartment building, which is a socioeconomic um, representation. Like it hits so many different points and it's just purely joyful fun, which is so, so important. Um, so so one of the other things... Yeah, it's so important. So one of the other things I'm seeing right now is people are looking for extremely serious board books to read to their children and their their toddlers and their babies, um, which honestly isn't really age appropriate. Um, When we say it's never too early for you to talk to your kids about race and racism, especially with white children, we mean at an age appropriate level. You want to be fighting bias and normalizing difference and sameness in appearance while building empathy for people that are different than them. And that comes through just seeing different faces and talking about those people with your children, naming that, you know, if you're a white parent, that that's a white child and that other child on the other page who's picking flowers is a black child and like that's okay to say out loud and I think that's a bit of a stumbling block that people are hitting right now you don't have to read a is for activist every single day to raise a child in an anti-racist way from birth so that's so true and that that really for me goes back to I want I mean I think that it's important to have the kind of books that our kids are are really excited about that are age appropriate that that have the kind of plots that they're into those books need to have these features as well it, it's not just that we want a whole extra genre of super serious board books or that that is not what we're asking for although those are also wonderful books mm-hmm. agreed and it's I guess getting the main message across is that it's just as important to have a diverse array of characters doing a diverse array of things. The idea is to normalize all experiences, so we need to show all experiences on a bookshelf, and that is the main 
goal of having a diversified bookshelf is that you have a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, and part of, yeah. So part of showing all those different experiences is also hearing from authors of different backgrounds so that we get the different perspective of their viewpoint as well. Because when we default to the industry standard of white authors, we're hearing a white experience applied to all of those different activities. We need to hear different voices telling those stories about different experiences as well. So I, I totally agree with, with all of this. And I think that people really need to be considering, you know, what the, what their goal is here. So if, if your goal is not just to diversify your bookshelf, but also to diversify the books that your children love to read, you need to think about more than just, is this book considered diverse? You, you need to think about what kind of topics your child is interested in reading and about finding those books that are in that genre that include uh, diverse people. So working to build um, like a nonfiction collection that, that doesn't only have white characters represented or has authors from a variety of cultural background is, is equally important. Exactly. And, but it really depends on what your purpose is, what your budget is, especially, and who your audience is, which is why just buying a pre-made list that somebody else made might not be the best idea or it might not be the most impactful uh, to your audience. So how do you select books to diversify your shelf? We have some questions that you can ask yourself. Right. So number one, you need to think who is going to be reading or listening to these books. Is this for a specific child or is this for a large group? What age are you looking for? So that'll depend on who you are, really. Are you a teacher? Are you a parent? Um, The second big question to ask yourself is, what is the context that they will be using these books in? So a book that is for a bedtime story is has totally different features that you're looking for versus a classroom reference library there there's a huge difference there in, in what you need definitely and also the purpose of the book are you trying to start a specific discussion are you providing information is this for early reading practice or is it just for fun because uh, also fun is a huge deal, so we don't want to dismiss it, just like we were talking about going up. And also, what is your budget, and how does it fit into your existing collection? How can you slowly work on that? You know, maybe go into thrift stores or library sales, exchanging books with friends. Uh, You're seeing so many little free libraries pop up everywhere, which I love. So much, yes. I'm actually really uh, big on practical purchases when it comes to what I I recommend people buy. So as, as a teacher, you have a certain amount of money at the beginning of the year that your principal will allow you. So For example, one year I opened up a new kindergarten classroom and I was given $200 Canadian for books. That was the whole budget for books for the year. Um, And you really need to think about what is going to last you, what 
what are the needs and maybe getting the hottest brand new hardcovered books, even if those are the ones that people are recommending on their list, is not a great choice because you only have $200. Mm -hmm. So budget is huge. Uh, but our last um, sort of questions to ask yourself is, have a look through them. Like the books that you have on your shelf right now, look at them with a really critical eye. Are they potentially problematic? Does the book center a white character and the black or brown characters are being used as tokens? Like you can really look at some of the books on your shelf and a, and a really important exercise is just to weed some of the books out that aren't serving your needs right now. Um, I think it's really good to go through your books now and then and look at them more critically and go, you know, maybe we could be doing better here. Maybe this one's okay to put in the recycle bin. Mm -hmm. Not every book is a good book. No, it's so true. And I think that there, a lot of people have this sort of idea that because a book has been published by a major house, um, it is correct. And the way that people are being depicted is correct. But it's not always the case. In fact, that is a lot of the time nope. not the case. And we need to use our own critical thinking powers to say, is, is this okay? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Big time. I think that's one of the most important things you can do when you're diversifying your bookshelf is look at what you have and look at what needs to be come out of that. Um, that mm -hmm. That's a huge, important, powerful thing that you can do and doesn't cost anything. Which is the best cost, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Free 99. Free 99. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, even though I actually don't think there is a one-size-fits-all solution for creating the perfect diversified bookshelf, I think that if it's something that you're committed to doing, it's going to require some legwork and it's going to require all of these steps and, you know, steps that we haven't even mentioned in the yeah. last few tips that we gave. This is a, a starting point. We are certainly not the experts. No. <laughs> and, you know, all this book collecting, it's ultimately fun. Picture books are fun. Reading with your kids is a wonderful bonding experience and reading with your class is a beautiful thing. And, but we also need to remember that however your bookshelf looks right now, the most important part is the conversations that you have with your kids. Um, that, that is what makes all the difference. It isn't about having the perfect collection of perfectly balanced humans represented on your shelf and themes. It's about the conversations that accompany those books. Definitely. And sometimes um, even taking a book that you might realize halfway through reading is not ideal and has problematic parts, you can use that as an opportunity to make disclaimers, to ask your kids questions and to lead a conversation that will change the direction of their thinking and that will encourage them to be media literate and to have critical thinking skills. By questioning the things that we are reading with our child, we are teaching them that it is okay to question the page it is okay to question the author it is okay to say i don't i don't know if this is right so one um example is sometimes we find older books um just at my mom's house or whatever and we have some curious george and <laughs> i have to say that's one that we will definitely talk about at length perhaps at another time but there is a lot of problematic stuff there and rather than just reading it through and quietly hiding it under the couch or throwing it out, 
it's an opportunity to say, what is happening here? What is the context here? And to talk about that and ask them, you know, what do you think about this? And, and they are capable of thinking, even if they're little. You got to give yeah. them the credit. And, you know, I'm somebody that doesn't have any Dr. Seuss or Curious George or a variety of other problematic books on my bookshelf. Um, but, you know, they happen sometimes, you know, a play date, um, uh, coming home from school, no matter how much I try to talk to yeah, book bags. teachers, it, it happens sometimes. So, you know, it, it, I don't want to buy or support those things. I want to make sure that I'm speaking out against those things, but they happen. And with a four-year-old, you don't, they don't, they're not there yet on, on figuring out, no, I don't read well, any Dr. Seuss. Know, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so that, that's when I'm using those opportunities to have a, a bigger age appropriate discussion. And I also think a really important part of that is taking existing books that you have, uh, for example, truck or construction books, which are almost exclusively male voiced um, and change some of the pronouns as you're moving along, you know, make the dumb truck a girl, and uh, you know, as you're reading out loud and you can ask these questions about what you think they're doing and why, because even some of the most mundane books can lead to much bigger discussions, which ultimately is what you're looking for to be able to help fight this unconscious bias that all of us pick up through our lives. Um, however, I will say my, my big disclaimer, you can change the language, but you can't change the illustrations. So while changing the pronouns of something is really easy and should definitely be done, the illustrations also need to be looked at critically because if those are problematic, then it shouldn't be changing the pronouns isn't enough is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm sure. And there's definitely. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say there's definitely there's opportunity there to talk about those illustrations and especially books that are that have more stereotypical images, for example, like a princess book where it's what you would traditionally expect to see. Um, you can talk about why, why do you think she looks like a princess? And, and you can elaborate on that and have bigger discussions and that can lead to more. So it's you know, don't ignore these kinds of things. That is a big part of diversifying your bookshelf, but also the way that you talk about any book at all that you're encountering together. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you can't always help it when, you know, you're at the library choosing your books and a certain book comes off the shelf and, and you're like, Oh no, maybe not that one. But you know, you have to, you have to be equipped as a human being to go, to talk about that book with your child and go, this is why um, we maybe don't agree with this. Or why are you thinking that that person looks that way or is wearing that clothing? And why do we think that doesn't reflect reality? So, you know, you, you, you just have to, you have to build these uh, questions into your toolkit as, as, as a parent or a caregiver and, and keep them handy um, and not be afraid to have these conversations because kids are amazing the way that they think sometimes when you, when you let them lead by inquiry. And truly, sure. and, when and you... we have to remember that our, our kids are existing outside of us. They are going to oh, yeah. go out into the world. They're going to go to daycare. They're going to go out and they're going to see other images. They're going to be watching things on tv they're going to be we do not 
control every facet of the media and the content that they are absorbing. And so we need to be having these discussions to give them the tools to be critically thinking when we are not in the room and when we're not there to say, Ooh, I don't think that book is a good idea because they're going to mm-hmm. see other books and they're going to need to be able to think for themselves. That is yeah. really what we need here. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that's really what it is, is when you're looking at your, your child's bookshelf or your classroom bookshelf, I think the most valuable thing that you can do as a single human being is be more critical going forward. Um, it might not mean as much uh, like in terms of buying up new books as it does, like we said before, weeding out books that you have, uh, keeping out books year round instead of just keeping them in the Black History Month um, you know, uh, pile, things like that. So, you know, it's, it's working with what you have in so many ways, especially in a classroom environment. Um, it's also listening. Um, sometimes when somebody points out to you, Hey, that one's not so great. And, you know, I've had to do that as a parent with my, um, child's teacher and it's an uncomfortable conversation, but that's a huge part, um, of it is standing up and saying, Hey, this, this isn't so good anymore. We need to do better. For sure. And I think that one of the bolder choices that we can be making is to remove problematic books from our, our everyday rotation. So if it comes up, yes, discuss it. But if you know that something is seriously problematic, it should not be in your everyday reading loop. It should not be the book you're choosing for literacy circle in your classroom. Um, Removing things like Dr. Seuss from your collection, which is a huge topic that um, is really well covered by the conscious kid. And I think read like a rock star also did a whole Seuss thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll, Mm -hmm. we'll show the link in the show notes, but uh, Picture books with racist authors that have more subtle racist themes and, and subtext. We need to start exiting these from the shelves as we move into a more socially conscious and equitable area. Yes, we're giving our kids the tools to look at images that um, are problematic, but we also need to be saying, okay, you know, this isn't okay to have out and this isn't okay to be a teaching material anymore. You can leave something in the past, even though you have nostalgia about it, and still understand that it's not okay by today's standards. And that's something so, so many people are going through right now. They, they have to change the way they think, and they have to leave some things in the past and just accept that they, they are for the past. They're not for the future. So People really hang on strong to some of these, though. <sighs> like, uh, Seuss is such a, it's a hard... Uh... It's a hard fight there. <laughs> Once really you learn is. about it, you can't unlearn it though. It's bad. It's the, it's so but bad. It's not just still going forward. I, they, they do like we had um, the library fight club. So sometimes I host this thing called library fight club. I haven't done it in a while, but I'll, I'll post up a book that is divisive for whatever reason. And I'll let people fight over it. And Dr. Seuss was one of the ones that people were ready to sling it out in a mud pit over because they they just they were not prepared to give up the nostalgia they weren't prepared to give up the the rhymes and the aesthetic and the themed days they just they really clung on real strong there it's 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 actually way 
way past time. Um, people have the knowledge about this now. And if you don't, it's incredibly easy to find. But a lot of people that have the knowledge are still refusing to confront it. I'm hoping that this new era that we're entering with one of the most significant um, racial uprisings that's ever occurred um, that is so deeply important to happen. I'm hoping that this truly helps a lot of parents really um, examine some things like Dr. Seuss and finally just stop it. It has, it has to stop. It has, I can't even say it enough. It has to stop. <laughs> it's a matter of priorities though. Yeah. Like what is your priority here? Is your priority here to set a, a standard for what you will allow in, in your classroom, in your shelf? What, what authors you are saying are worthwhile and that we should be listening to or is it is it just you want your nostalgia is that your priority is your priority yeah. just oh you like it you know what what are the values here is is the question i think also to what i think a lot about is sometimes people think that just because they're not saying something overtly let's use the example of homophobia then they've done enough of a job to you know let their children know that all marriages are good marriages but what we're also seeing is if you don't explicitly say to kids sometimes two girls love each other and they get married when they're adults and they make that decision and it's beautiful and valid just like a man and a woman just like two non-binary people that fall in love and get married you know it's it's not enough to not enough to just hope they yeah. absorb it from the ethers you have to be verbalizing it and having explicit conversations about this intentional right. conversations exactly um Thank you yeah, for succinctly like, making that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, also, it's just that we have to think about your kid as like a tiny computer. Whatever you are inputting into that computer, that is their understanding of the wo their world. That is their understanding of values. That is, their, that is mm -hmm. the information that's in the computer. So if you are not choosing books that show that, like the example you were saying that that it is okay for two women or two men to marry each other and have a family. They don't know that. They don't know it yeah. unless you show it to them, unless you tell it to them, unless unless this is a piece of information you have directly inserted into their brain. So you can't leave this yeah. stuff out because no. that is a huge impact. It's our life. On, it's on it's the real world. The world. Yes. Yeah. No. All right. You so I hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> this is a topic that we could all talk about for actual hours and days. And have. And, and have. And have. Rest, <laughs> rest assured, we will be coming back to this topic over and over again from different angles as we dig deeper into topics on the podcast. Um, but we wanted to have this episode really be a starting point and to just explicitly say that in the future, we're going to be doing much deeper dives into specific points that we touched on in this episode, like own voices, self-publishing, representation in publishing, and just so much more, so many more topics. Yeah, there's really no end to how much we could 
talk about this. Um, and again, in the show notes, we're going to link some of the resources that um, and accounts and, and human beings that we've referenced in this um, in this episode. Um, but we've barely scratched any kind of a surface. This is not a whole conversation. <laughs> this is just the very tippy beginning point. Right. And, and like we mentioned, you know, you're here to, to diversify your bookshelf. You're interested in it. And I'm sorry that we don't have a one size fits all list that you can go out and buy. That's, that's not the answer we have here for you today, but questions to ask yourself and definitely, uh, there are people out there, other reviewers outside of us who are are doing a lot of legwork as well and recommending books one by one. And, and you're just going to have to go out there and, and, and make decisions. And it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time bulk buy. That's it. We're diverse now. Doesn't work like that. So, <laughs> not at um, all. Not even close. <laughs> so thank you for joining us in our first discussion about diversifying your bookshelf here on the Picture Books to Gang podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at the um, at Picture Books to Gang and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So be sure to drop us a note and let us know what are you reading. 